0: you believe it or not, the word that I am about to share with you, you actually need and desire. Regardless of what the enemy might be trying to whisper to you, and despite the distractions that might try to keep you from listening, the message on today is one that you need that you must revisit and you have to build upon. You're going to recognize that I'm going to go to Galatians chapter three, then I'm going to skip to Galatians chapter one, and then I'm going to step over to Acts chapter 15. And the reason why I'm going to skip to Acts chapter 15 is because Acts chapter 15 takes place while Galatians two and three is taking place. And so the conversation that's happening, particularly in Galatians chapter two and in Galatians chapter three is making reference to what is happening in Acts chapter 15. So although it says Acts 15, you might as well see it as Galatians as well. There is something happening And whether you know it or not, you need today's word. So I have a different level of confidence on today because I feel like teaching. Galatians chapter 3. Because we're in the series called Voices. Everybody yell Voices. Everybody yell, voices. Voices. We're in the series Voices. Therefore, it would behoove that we receive a word such as the one on today. It says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, let me pause right there, because witches don't carry brooms, witches don't wear black hats and fly through the night, but witches can stand in the pulpit, witches can be some of the greatest influences that you follow, witches, come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. And I'm not just telling you what Isaac wants to tell you. I am preaching to you the unadulterated gospel on today. Shall we read again? Oh, foolish Galatians. Paul is angry. Who has cast a spell on you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by simply saying, I receive faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit free? Now being perfected and matured in the flesh by your works. Did you suffer so many of these things in vain? Indeed, was it in vain? Then he says this, does he who supply the spirit to you, does he, God, who performs miracles in your life, does he do it because you do all good things well? Or does he do it because of your faith? Is God good to you because you deserve it? Does God wake you up because yesterday you did everything that you were supposed to do the way you were supposed to do it? Has God given you that roof over your head because you stewarded everything that God gave you so well? Or do you have air in your lungs because of grace? Somebody yell grace. Grace. You need this message on today. Skip over to Galatians chapter 1. He is still indignant and upset and he's talking to the same people. Listen to what Paul says. I am astonished, verse 6, that you are so quickly deserting, somebody say running away, away. from the one who called you to live in the grace. Somebody shout grace. Somebody shout grace. Somebody shout grace of Christ. Now you're turning to a different gospel. I'm going to read that again because you missed it. I am astonished that you are so quickly falling away from the one who called you to live in the grace that is in Christ. And now you're turning to a different type of gospel. Oh, y'all need this. Which is not really a gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even we, or an angel from heaven, should ever we preach the gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, this is what he says, As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, let him be cursed. Somebody say, whew. Now I want you to jump over to Acts chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. Give you a little context. When you're there, say, I'm there. And there you'll find words similar to these. It says, but some men came down from Judea. Now, these are church folk. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the law of of Moses. Everybody say Old Old Testament. You can't be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas got into a deep argument with them, some of the others appointed them to go up to the church, the mother church in Jerusalem and to deal with this issue. And so they being sent on their way, go back down to verse, verse five or verse four. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders and they declared all they had done and God had done through them and look what look what verse 5 says but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees they were believers meaning they believed in Jesus but they still believed that you had to do everything in the law of Moses. I believe that Jesus hung, bled, and died, and he gave me grace, but you also gotta keep every law in the Old Testament in order for God to love you. Mm. The Bible says they stood up and then they said that you need to be circumcised in order and, and keep the law of Moses. It's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses and all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. Repeat after me online, I need you to type this, but I need you to also repeat after me. My holiness. holiness. No, no, we're gonna start this over again. My holiness holiness. and righteousness righteousness. are are bundled together and included in the grace package, the grace package. At, free of cost. at free of cost. Did y'all just hear what you repeated? Yes. You just said that your holiness and your righteousness come bundled in the same package, the grace package. And it costs you nothing. Amen. We got work to do. Amen. I was coaching a woman in the recent past who is married. And we were having a conversation about the state of her marriage. And they had been married for several years but she confessed something to me that I I need you all to listen to. She confessed that her husband is an amazing man, but she didn't necessarily seek God's face before she got married to him. And in her words, she said, I was disobedient. And so this is what she says, one reason she got married to him was because he treated her better than anybody else had ever treated her before. And she didn't think she could do any better. I'm, 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 I'm building the case. One of the reasons that I married him was because I, I, I surveyed all of my past relationships and how terrible they were, and when I met him, he treated me better than everybody else, and I did not think I could ever do better than him, so one of the reasons that I pursued the marriage was because I didn't think I could do better than him, and then she says to me, I think and I believe that God is unhappy with me, therefore, I'm expecting my marriage to fail. Now I'm going somewhere and I'm telling you that you need this message. She says, I'm expecting my marriage to fail. And then she did something that was very familiar in the church. She made a reference to David. And she says, for example, you know, David disobeyed God with Bathsheba and then they had a baby and then she says, after they had a baby that baby died and so she said I'm just waiting for something in my life to fail to suffer her words or die My marriage, I think it's going to die. My, my nonprofit that I'm, I'm working in and it's very successful, but I'm, I'm living in fear because I think that God is unhappy with me and he's going to take it from me. Mm. My health, my finances, something is supposed to die because I believe that God is in heaven looking down at me and he is unhappy with me. Somewhere in that conversation, as I was listening to her, I asked her a question that I am going to present to you in the form of the preached message. Who told you that Who told you that Look at somebody and say who told you that who told you that who told you that Turn around turn around look at somebody and say who told you that who told you that who told you that Stand up and look at somebody and point and say who told <laughs> Who told you that God was unhappy with you? Who told you that every time you mess up, God is going to abandon you? Who told you that every time you mess up and you go away, that that God is going to withdraw his love and his concern and his happiness from, who told you? Who told you that? She had a belief system That says she believed that God would withdraw or God withdrew her love from her because of something that she did. Somebody say, who told you that? If you look in scripture, if you look in scripture, if you look in Genesis uh, chapter 2, chapter 1 and 2, you'll discover that God created man in his image. When God created Adam and when God created Eve, he had only one prerequisite that they be created in his likeness. The only thing he was concerned about was that they look like me. That's it. I I want humanity to look like me. So the devil says to himself, my only desire is to fracture the mirror so that when every human being looks in the mirror they don't recognize their identity in God. But the devil's biggest flex is that he wants to warp the image of God in your mind and through your eyes. What the devil would prefer that you do outside of attacking you in your identity, what the devil wants to do is to warp and to shape how you see and how you view the nature of God. What he wants you to do is he wants you to look at your relationship, your earthly relationship with your father. He wants you to base your life's experiences with people abandoning you. And he wants you to listen to faulty preaching and teaching and unsound doctrine. And he wants you to be able to look at God and he wants you to say, I'm not enough. God is not happy with me. And if I, I, I mess up, then, then, then God, I, I need to work harder in order to gain God's love because God will treat me the same way my earthly parents treated me. I wish I had just a little bit of help. The devil's greatest flex is for you to alter how you see God. So now that you move down here on earth, you have an image of God that is incomplete and incorrect. He wants you to see God as the Old Testament God Joshua going through the book of Joshua and God would tear down these countries and he would kill people who disobeyed him. He wants you to see the God with Daniel where he will allow you to be taken from your home and ha- and, and, uh, and, and taken to a whole nother country because you disobeyed him. He wants you to see the God of Moses where he will punish you when he's unhappy with your behavior the devil would prefer. That you see God, yes, as Yahweh, as Adonai, but what He does not want you to do is to see the God of the New Testament, who is Father. All right, make it, make it plain, make it plain, make it plain. In the Old Testament, God is Yahweh. In the Old Testament, God is Adonai. In the Old Testament, He is your provider. In the Old Testament, God. Will be there, but but in the New Testament, a new term was was introduced. Fatherhood. And what the devil would prefer is that you be unable to receive and embrace God as your father. The greatest thing plaguing the church today is not celebrity preachers. It is not mega churches. The greatest thing plaguing the church today is not the LGBTQ community. The greatest thing plaguing the church today is ignorance. Somebody shout ignorance. Ignorance. And ignorance is fed through bad teaching and unsound doctrine. What are you saying? What are you saying? If you look at the text, Paul is upset because the people in in Galatians and in Acts have now allowed themselves to receive, believe, and become subject to a watered down gospel. A gospel that had become diluted, a gospel that says, yes, Jesus died, Jesus came. He's furthering the mission of God, meaning that he wants to bring you into right relationship. But he wants you to forget that God wants you to be a son and a daughter, meaning that you no longer have to live as an orphan. But What the devil would prefer is that you never be able to to enter into a covenant relationship with God as son, as daughter. Look at somebody and say I'm a son. Look at somebody and say I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son, <laughs> I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a son, <laughs> I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. <laughs> you are something that the devil does not want you to know. You are an heir. All right. Y'all don't don't want to listen. Y'all don't want to listen. Y'all don't want to listen. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. All right. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And the devil does not want you to know that you are entitled to the inheritance of God for free. All right. right. What is an heir? An heir is someone who is entitled to great possessions because of relationship. Everybody? All right. In 1962 there was a man by the name of, I think his name is Sam Walton. Sam Walton created a, a store, a business called Walmart. And the thing about Walmart in 1962, it ended up becoming the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest businesses in the entire world. Walmart today is worth over $200 billion, all right. In 2021, it earned over $500 billion, Walmart. Here's the thing, they have 2.3 2.3 million employees, and if you take all of their employees and created a city in the United States, it would be probably the fourth or the fifth largest city. I'm talking about Walmart. Walmart is the, 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 the wealthiest family business in the entire world. But Sam Walton isn't alive anymore. Sam Walton died. But Sam has three children. And those three children received the inheritance of Sam, and they never had to do anything. All right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Three children inherited sixty-five billion dollars apiece, and they never had to do anything. They didn't have. No matter what their behavior was, no matter how they talked, no matter if they, their father got upset with, no matter if they walked out of the house and they left the house, they were still an heir to the inheritance. All right, let, me, let me see if I can help let me, let me, let me, let me see if I can let me see if I can, I can, I can help you. Every time I put this hat on, I want you to say (laughs) air. Because this right here says that I am an heir. This this says that I'm an heir. And every time I put it on, I want you to say say air. in the kingdom is that we have become part time heirs <sighs> if I wasn't sweating I'd have somebody else to come up and put this on and I'll give you illustration but it's all wet now But I'm an heir I've been going to church all year I've been, I've been saying my prayers I even gave some tithes and offerings so I'm an, I'm an heir um, but I had sex. I feel. Like... Put that over there for a little while. Well, I started going to church again. I prayed a few times this week. But I'm going through a divorce, and and somebody told me that that God hates divorce, and because how God hates divorce, He hates me. So I'm. I'm I'm gonna come to church. I'm just gonna tuck my crown because I'm not behaving like an heir. We got part-time heirs. We got heirs. Sacred holidays, uh, New Year's, Easter. Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, not Father's Day, though. We got children in the kingdom coming to church Sunday after Sunday. And the only time you put your crown on, if you even realize you got a crown, is when you come to church on Sunday and when you leave for Monday. All it takes is a diagnosis from the doctor and then I need somebody else to pray for me because I don't believe in in Mark chapter 16 verse 17 and 18 that says these signs will follow those who believe. You will be able to cast out demons. You will be able to drink something and it will not harm you. You will be able to touch people and you will recover. I don't believe that God called me to be all of those things. And, and, and I, I don't even know what an heir, what am I an heir to? Jesus Christ is my God, no. Jesus Christ is your savior. God is your father. And until you get correct theology, you can't possibly be wearing the crown because you don't even realize that Jesus is your elder brother and you share in the rights and the privileges of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I'm an heir. And the devil would much prefer that you remain over-churched and spiritually underdeveloped. That you look more like church and your character look less like Jesus Christ. He would prefer that you look more, you'll be more committed to your church and to your pastor but not as committed to Jesus. He would prefer that you speak fluent denomination. But I can't really talk or speak sound doctrine. See, see, here's the thing. The devil don't care that you come to church, that you bring your notes, as long as you continue to listen to watered-down gospel. Overchurched. Somebody say overchurched. Overchurched. Because you, you do a great job focusing on inviting people to church, but you never take the time to share the gospel with the people who you're inviting to church. Or, or your circle of friends, all of people who share the same faith, and none of them are unbelievers. Oh, see, somebody missed it. Somebody say overchurched. The devil would prefer that you remain over-churched but underdeveloped and that your circle of friends are all people who are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and nobody in your circle is an unbeliever, so you're just catching fish that are already caught. (laughs) He would prefer that you remain spiritually Underdeveloped, meaning that you don't see yourself the way God sees you. Because when I was talking to the woman, when I was talking to the woman, when I was talking to the woman and I was coaching and I was coaching, you know what she says? She says, my father had left when I was young and he stayed away most of my life. See, what the devil will prefer is that you look at every experience of disappointment that you had, you take that, you embody that, you never challenge your thought system or your thought structure against the word of God, and now you say, because my daddy on earth abandoned me, then surely if I do something that upsets God in heaven, he will get silent and he will turn his back against me. And as a matter of fact, I know he's supposed to forgive me. I repented. But when I run, I'm going to, every time I sin, I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away from God and not to God. Help me, help me, help me, somebody. Somebody say over, over church. And when you look in the text, Acts chapter 15, Galatians chapter three, Galatians chapter one. There was a toxic church culture. There were men coming into the church and were a part of the church who were taking the gospel of Jesus and beginning to water it down so much so that the people who were listening received it and then said to themselves, this is what I have to do because somebody told me this is what I have to do because what the devil would prefer is that you do not learn the word of God for yourself. And so Paul comes to them and Paul says, "I, I, I preach to you grace. I understand that grace Throws you off. I understand that grace, it it doesn't make sense. See, here's the thing. Grace is important. If I asked you, what is grace? Most people would say, "Uh, God gave us grace. (laughs) If you don't know what grace is, you can't wield grace well. Ah, Help, 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 help. Grace fuels your salvation. Somebody say salvation. Grace fuels your salvation. Grace makes you righteous. You're righteous not because of your actions, you're righteous because of your position. See, there you go. I, I'm only holy and righteous if I, do, if I go to church every week, if I keep going, if I keep showing up, then I, I, Lord, I can talk to you because I've been doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing and now I can earn your love and all. The righteousness you have is not because of something you did. Grace empowers your spiritual gifts. Every spiritual gift that God gives you has to flow through God's grace. Grace comes before the gift. Grace, let me help you. Helps you to fight in the spirit. See, see, see. You, this is this is what the devil would prefer is that you don't realize without grace you can't wage war in the spirit. If you read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, you will discover that God hid grace through all of humanity, revealed it to Paul, gave it to Paul so Paul can tell us about it so that now we can tell every devil and principality what grace is. Read the Bible for yourself. So this means you have grace so you can keep every principality subject to you. But if you don't know what grace is, you will not be able to wield and war in the spirit well. Because you think you wage war with your own willpower and your own works, but you need grace. Somebody shout grace. Grace. Somebody shout "Grace." grace. But grace also makes you a son and a daughter. Grace allows you to be able to stand up and say, devil, I know you're trying to accuse me in front of God, but I got grace. And because I'm an heir, even if I mess up, I ain't taking my hat off. I ain't been to church in a few weeks, so what's your point, I'm still an heir. Man, I hadn't prayed like I needed to pray. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I'm gonna make it even more fun. Some of us, some of us around here, halftime heirs, and now, nah, now, nah, see, you need all, you need all of it. Take a picture of this. Yeah, put this for Instagram so they know that I'm an heir because you got too many people in Christendom. You will wear your your crown until somebody starts laughing. So when I put this on, I don't care if you laugh, I'm an heir. I'm an heir of God, and I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. This means I am entitled to the greatest inheritance in all of humanity. I don't care. I don't care if. God still got me that's why I repent I can mess up but it does nothing about my relationship some of us I messed up I, I need to get rebaptized. I, I need no, no you you are You. so tell me what about the children of Walton I imagine if they messed up what, what do they got to do so that they can make sure there's still a daughter and a son to Sam Walton once you are a son Once you are a daughter, you're always a son. This is why you need the word of God in you so that you can discern when the gospel has been watered down. You need the word of God in you. So that you understand what rights and privileges you have. Oh, well, well, I'm gonna come to church on Sunday and I'll wait on, on Jerry. Jerry gonna tell me and we're gonna talk about the relationship series. Everybody, we need to pull up for the relationship series. It's gonna be fire, but what about air? Yes. I'll come to church. I'll pack the church out if they gonna talk about, but you are N. Do you know who you are? Because in Galatians, they didn't fully know who they were. They allowed anybody, that's the problem. We eat at the table of too many chefs. And we don't know the condition of their kitchen or how they prepare their food. Say it again, say it again for the people in the back. We eat at the table of too many chefs. And we don't know how, we don't know the condition of their kitchen or how they prepare their food. So someone came along, Pharisees who say, who believe, you got to keep all of the Old Testament law in order to be in right relationship with God. And we also believe in the gospel. They were, they were more committed to their tradition and their history than New Revelation. Toxic church culture, they, they, were a part, they, they were in the church with them. Oh foolish. people who who cast a spell upon you? Because if you don't know that you are a son and a daughter and you don't know what that really means, then you're gonna keep on, yeah, I read my Bible this morning. I'm in, yeah, some of y'all, I don't care if y'all say I'm in air, I know I'm in air. You're gonna keep wearing, but soon as you mess up, you're gonna run from God instead of to God. I I don't think I, no, you don't deserve it, but with God's grace, But the devil says, I don't want them to know who they are if I can just get them to keep looking at God and shaping their understanding of God based on what they experience and based on unsound doctrine coming from various platforms, then I don't have to do any work. They'll never get in the right position. And every time they mess up, somebody said something that sounds good. So now I got to do all of these things because God needs me to work in order for God. To, you know how many of us believe that you got to keep doing something in order for God to actually love you? Or, you or, or better yet, you know how many of us believe that if you keep doing, God will love you more? God can't love you any more than he currently does. Because how God loves you is already maxed out. So what the devil doesn't want you to know, Jesus is simple. You need to write that down. He doesn't want you to know Jesus is simple. You can find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I think y'all, he says, I think y'all have have fallen under the same spell and y'all get betwixt and behoove and you 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 done got mixed up like Adam and Eve did. And now you're running away from the simplicity that is in Jesus. Jesus is simple. The next thing he doesn't want you to know is grace is free. Somebody say free. There ain't nothing you can do to get grace. Grace is given. Third thing that he doesn't want you to know. God loves you. I'm talking to this woman and she says, for years I believe that God has been angry with me. And so she is sabotaging her marriage because she believed that it's about to fail anyway because there is a belief structure that says when God is quiet, that means God is mad. I remember every time my parent when she was or he was or she was upset with me and they got quiet that meant they were upset they were mad and I had to do something to try to get them to talk to me again so if God isn't talking to me I'll pray more I'll pray harder and I'll give more and I'll do more and I'll stop doing this because I need God to to love me more he doesn't want you to know that God is already pleased with you think about it think about it Jesus Came from the wilderness. Soon as he got baptized. Holy Spirit descends. And what does God say? This is my son. Who I'm already pleased with. I don't care. What's about to happen. I'm already pleased. With who he is. I know it goes against everything you think you know. And you believe. But what if I told you once as you believe God is already pleased with you? You don't even know what that feels like because your parent never told you they were proud of you. An authority figure never told you that they were pleased with who you were. So it's hard for you to enter into a relationship. Of son and daughter and as long as you wage war and as long as you struggle with seeing yourself as a son and as a daughter and God as a parent as a father you will always live like an orphan I come sometimes I leave sometimes I don't really have anywhere to dwell because I don't believe I belong He doesn't want you to know that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, The works that I have done, you will do greater things. But the problem is, whenever you hear that, you hear it and you keep moving because you've never said, All right, God, let let, let me actually speak to that sickness, let me speak to my finances. Let me touch someone who who needs to be healed. I'm afraid because if if I do it and it doesn't work, then it's going to point back to something that I'm not doing well because of how I see you, God. In the Old Testament, God is Yahweh. But in the New Testament, God says, I want to adopt you into my family I want to give you all of my inheritance, and I don't give you something and take it back. I told some people before, I got a daughter and I got a son. My daughter is young. She doesn't really know what it means to be a curry. She'll walk in a room. She doesn't know everything I have belongs to her. She's very young. But at some point, she's going to grow up. And then she's going to learn that all she has to do is speak. That already belongs to you. The yard outside, that, that belongs to you. The possessions on the inside, that belongs to you. And you never had to do anything. See that see that's the part that you keep you keep. Because you need a better message. You need more preaching. You need a lot of different things for you to believe that you're already righteous. You're already holy. You're already... Who told you that? Who told you that you were not good enough? Who told you Better yet, who told you you were an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, the word of God? Who told you that grace is free? The word of God. Repeat after me, everybody, repeat after me. I am eligible for grace. I am eligible for grace. Repeat after me. I am, and holy. I am already righteous and holy not because of my actions, not because of my actions. But, because of my but because of my position. Repeat after me. My holiness and righteousness, holiness and righteousness. are bundled together, are bundled together. And, included and included in the grace package for free. Look at somebody and point to yourself and say, I'm an heir. heir. Look at somebody else and say, I'm an heir, I'm an heir. heir. Look at somebody and, and say, I'm an heir. That should excite you. You don't need anything else. You are an heir when you leave here on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, in January, in February, in March, in April, in May, in June, July, on your best day, on your worst day, on a middle day, you are still an heir. There is nothing you have to do because you belong to God so you can speak right, you can talk right, you can stand right, you can move right, you can ask right, because you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ I don't care what you experience I don't care who left you I don't care who spoke against you I bind the devil into the pits of hell because you are an heir and that is where your power comes from you wage war in the spirit realm because you are an heir You talk to the devil and you tell the devil you must flee. I bind you because I am an heir. You can talk down to the devil and put your foot on the devil's neck because you are an heir. But can you believe that though? Unsound doctrine Bad experiences, thought structures that have not been filtered through the Word of God have all kept you from standing straight up. Yeah. So the devil ain't bothering you, the devil ain't said nothing because it's your ignorance that keeps you from being effective because you just don't know. (laughs) I need another message. What series we gonna go in? It don't matter what series we go in. It don't matter what we preach or talk about. The one thing that you should wake up and you be excited about, I got my own crown. And when you mess up, Lord, I repent see, what I don't need you to do is, I don't need you wearing a crown sideways and back. I, I, don't, I don't need you holding the crown. No, you keep. Because once a son, once a daughter, always. I imagine the children of Sam Walton They had to learn as they were growing up all that belonged to them. I imagine they didn't know in the beginning, oh, man, we got this land. Oh, we own this property. I didn't didn't know that, that we had all of these things, but the older and more mature they got, the more they learned. Man, so much belongs to me. That's your responsibility. Reading the word of God so that you understand what belongs to you as an heir. So now when you talk to God, I know you always say father in the name, but you don't really see him as father. Lord, help me to see you as my father. I say father, but I don't really see you as father. Help me to see you And not compare you to the father who I never had on earth. I'm talking about me right now. Help me to not hold you to the same stipulations of the people on earth who have failed me and left me. Lord, you are my father. And help me to see all of the benefits, the rights, and the privileges that come with that. So when I get sick, or when a sickness comes near me give me the courage to speak to it because I'm an heir. Or when I feel that darkness in my home, give me the courage to speak to it and open the door and say, get on out of here. You got to go somewhere, but you can't stay in here. Or when your marriage is struggling and on the rocks, You look at your spouse and say, let me tell you something in the name of Jesus. Or that spirit of loneliness that keeps making you make faulty decisions because you're in a rush. Lord, I bind that devil and I speak to my heart because you are an heir. Problem is our faulty thinking and faulty decision-making results from a toxic church culture, a watered down gospel, and ignorance. And because we don't know, we don't ask. Because we don't know, we don't walk the way we need to walk. But what you need to do now, all right God, the pastor said I'm an heir. Show me, show me because my personality is I gotta see, show me how I am an heir and how that should influence how I talk to you and how I talk to other people. And when I look in the mirror, how I see myself so that I won't see my last mistake And I won't sabotage every opportunity that I come in in contact with because I think you're going to beat me to it and you're going to remind me of what I did last month. Because everybody in my life always has a tendency of reminding me of everything that I did wrong. But Lord, thank you for being my father. And I want to love you. I want to see you. I want to embrace you as father. God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for being our father. But Lord, I don't just wanna say father, I want to see you as father. I want to embrace you as father. Lord, I thank you for making me a joint heir with Jesus Christ, but help me to realize That because I'm a joint heir with Jesus, I can do everything that Jesus did. That you see me and you see me through Jesus. You've given me power. You've given me anointing. So that I can wage war in the spirit realm. So that I can look at the devil and say grace covers me so there's nothing you can do. I bind every voice in my life that has told me I was not enough. I bind the voice of every mistake that I've ever made that continued to haunt me. I bind the voice of abandonment that keeps on telling me that people will leave me if I show them my real self. I bind the voice of inadequacy. I bind the voice of every insecurity that challenges and filters how I see the word of God. Lord, I want to see you and I want to see the word of God for what it is. So, Lord. I thank you for making me an heir to the throne. I don't want to be a part time heir. I don't want to be a Sunday morning heir. I don't want to be a special holiday heir. I want to be an heir from Sunday to Sunday. It's in Jesus' name I sign, seal, and deliver this prayer. And all of God's people shouted together Amen. Amen. And all of God's people shouted together, Amen. If there is a word in the Bible that is critically important, the most important word in the Bible is love. That's the most important word. If you, you don't have to open your Bible to know that the Bible is summed up in one word, love. You can stand, everybody you can stand. But the second most important word in your entire Bible is the word air. Ah There are a lot of important words. Love, number one outside of love air makes the greatest difference and the devil would prefer that you never live like it you don't love like it you don't walk like it you don't talk like it we at this time open the doors of the church of of God and Online and even in person, if you've never had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the crucified Christ, if you've never had an encounter with Jesus, if you've never been saved, if you've never trusted God and Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, and you said, you know what, I want to be a full-time heir, there is a number behind me that you can dial, you can contact, you can text, and we have family members on the other side waiting to engage you online no matter where you are in the world you can be a part of our online church our online community but more than anything we want you to be saved we want you to enter into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ we want you to not see God as the legal the lawyer the one who is upstairs throwing down lightning bolts we want you to see God as father and enter into the loving embrace If you want to become a member of this wonderful ministry that is thriving, trying to reach people locally and throughout the entire world, if you feel that you have gifts and a calling and you feel compelled right now, that I, I wanna I wanna be a part of this movement, everybody say movement. movement. This movement of God, this kingdom ministry. There's numbers behind me that you can text. Be a part of this ministry. We want you to be a part of this ministry. And we can't do what God has called us to do without the generosity of people around the entire world. The things that we are doing, the events, the creativity, the, the meeting pe- people's needs, the service projects, every single thing that you see us doing, it's fueled through you being generous. Don't say, oh, it's a lot of people, part of the ministry, they all handle it, I'm good. No, truth of the matter is, whether it's $1 or more, we appreciate your generosity. There is a number behind me if you want to sow into the ministry. We want to thank you in advance. I speak on behalf of Tanisha, Jerry, and Mama and Father Flowers. We're grateful for your generosity. Around this sanctuary, I want people online to hear you. I want you to shout, I'm an heir. I'm an heir. I want you to shout, I'm an air. I'm an heir. So I want you to live like it. Because I know the greatest challenge is that I hear you. And I don't believe you. If I can just think about myself, been in ministry for 24 years, but I hadn't always lived and believed like an heir, preaching the gospel because of the scars, the disappointment, my own failure. So I, I don't know how to, I almost sabotaged my marriage because I said I don't deserve to be happy. So the bondage we pray against is that on one hand, I know you want to be an heir, but it's hard to believe because life shows me a different prism. But I speak life over everyone underneath the sound of my voice. Those who will watch in the future that this week You see a miracle like you've never seen it before. You hear God like you've never heard him before. You read God's word like you've never read his word before. That an appetite grows in you that you didn't even know was there. That God show you the power of his grace because grace is more than a person's name. Grace is more than a prayer you say before your food. Grace is more than what you sing on the stage grace is something that God created in the beginning of time and God kept near to his chest and did not tell no one about this mystery until Paul came and then when Paul came he said I have a mystery to give to you that no one else known about and it's it's called grace because if I had told someone if you read Corinthians chapter 2 if I had told someone about grace beforehand they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ see see this mystery I kept From everyone because this is the most powerful thing that I've ever created. That I want you to be a child and there's nothing you have to do. All you got to do is say, I believe. And that's why diluted gospels don't want you to believe just that. You got to do that and you got to do a whole lot of other things too. So we pray that this word continues to speak to you today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Lord, I pray that you watch over us as we depart from this place and never from your presence, and that you turn our smiles upside down, our frowns upside down, and that, God, you speak to our souls, and that you give us a week like never before. It's in Jesus' name.